Noom uses the latest and proven behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Noom builds personal plans that can meet an individual's needs, takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching, their platform has helped millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. I think a lot of intelligence has gone into the whole Noom system. They really think about how humans live, how they think, what their psychology is, and it's all been used to help people control their weight. So stay focused on what's important to you with the Noom psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's Noom. N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now, wherever books are sold. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. (laughs) Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. (laughs) They've got stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. Hi, my name is Nick Kroll. And I feel incredibly proud of being Conan O'Brien's friend. Wow. That was really nice that you said that. You know, a lot of people have sort of done kind of a jokey thing. Yeah, that was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are going to be friends. Hey there, and uh, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend uh, podcast, which uh, usually I, uh, I go to great lengths to try and make these sort of evergreen, timeless, meaning it doesn't matter when you hear them. We don't talk about current events often. Uh, that's sort of the world I've, I've tried to create in this podcast. But we're living, obviously, in very, very strange times. And so there is uh, no escaping the reality we've all been thrown into during this uh, pandemic. So I am, instead of being in a studio with my gang, we're all in our separate locations. I've been shooting shows, television shows, and we've also set it up so I can do the podcast from here as well. So I'm joined by Sonam Obsessian, who's coming to us from her home in a place called Altadena, California. Is that right, Sona? Yes. You always act like it's like this exotic place, but it's, it's like very far away. minutes away from you. No, it's, no, not it's not that far. Very no, far away. Different, far. Cur- different currency. <laughs> yeah. Different laws. What? Um, yeah. No. Anyway, uh, I'll get there one day. No, it's okay. Once you guys get an airport, I'll fly in. No, but- you're busy. You could stay where you are. <laughs> also joined by... Uh, 
Matt Gorley, Matt, you're at your home, which I've been to, which is fantastic, beautiful home. Thank you. Yeah, really, really uh, like perfectly curated and decorated. You and your wife are very... Uh, this little alarm is going off when I'm too nice to you. It's going off right now. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, but no, you, you really do have a beautiful home. Very nice. And I see you also, like me, have guitars in every room. Yeah, generally. If it's not on the wall, it's just sitting in a corner. Do you play yeah. guitar? Because I've never heard you play. Yeah, I play. Liar. <laughs> you, just, you just said it like, I'm old enough to drink. I swear I do. No, I'm old enough. Yeah, I got five out of six strings. Okay. That's all you need. <laughs> That high E is a waste of time. Uh, how are you guys? Let me check in with you as human beings. I know there was a lot of banter and a lot of foolishness, but Sona, Gorley, how are you guys? How are you getting through this? Sona, how are you? I'm fine. I, I wish there was more that I could say, but I, uh, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm good. Well, you're in a good, you're in a, you're newly married yeah. to a great guy. You've got your dog. Mm-hmm. And you've got your new home that you moved into in this new country. Uh, oh God! Oh and my so, God! No, whatever. And that's great. So I think you're in this really nice. This is probably a good time for you to nest, so to speak. Quarantine. Yeah, yeah. We're getting things done with the house, which is cool. We bought a TV yesterday, and that's all I want to do now is just watch TV. So that's you all watch right. a lot of TV at work, but that's okay. That's not necessary uh, to say. It's okay. You don't have to say that stuff. Well, it's a true we thing. Haven't, we haven't seen each other in a while. You should be nice. So. I'm being, I didn't think that was not nice. That was just me like saying, oh, you're tall and you watch a lot of TV. I was like, it's not <laughs> okay. a negative thing. All right. It seemed a Matt, little negative. That's fine. Not at all. Okay. A lot it's of TV. A little negative. That's fine. That's negative. Would you say more TV than work? Would you say? Probably. <laughs> Probably, but you know. Yeah, okay. You, really right. much, you don't give that much positive reinforcement. You don't make me want to do anything ah, for you. Ah, yeah, I see. So, there you go. That's I'm it. I'm the That's criminal. It. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> oh, pretty oh, sorry, well. Matt. I forgot that you, <laughs> Matt. Beautiful home. You have a beautiful wife. You have a nice life uh, you've crafted for yourself. Uh, my hat's off to you if I was wearing a hat. Tip of the cap if I had a cap. Thanks, boss. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I hope you're well as you're, are you mentally uh, holding up? Some people have problems during these times. Yeah, when it first kicked off, I think I was kind of struggling to find my my legs. But now I feel like I've been training for this my whole life. I, I'm in my element, just living at home as a recluse. This is what I was meant to do. Yeah, this is not my element. Let me be very no, clear it is. about that. Uh, if people aren't surrounding me and giggling, I don't exist. So um, I'm a vampire without his native soil, uh, without his Transylvanian casket. Yeah, how are you doing? How are you It's rough, this? it's Your rough. And you know what I must be... Oh my God, they can't handle it. They're just, oh. uh, my my wife and kids, they're, they're like, you've got to tone it down. Because I'll be like, hey gang, how's it going? You know, and they oh. just, they shut it down. And that's like 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. That's, yeah. And then, and then 3 a.m. and then 4 a.m. I'm the singing frog on the old Warner Brothers cartoon. Uh. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing what I can. It's, like I say, I've never... I don't think any of us have experienced anything like this. I keep telling my kids, you're going to like, your grandchildren are going to say, what was it like during the 2020, and I'll still be alive. I'll be in the corner with a robotic body because they'll, oh. they'll have robot bodies for really old heads then. And I'll be in the corner going, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> and then just this weird liquid will come out that's, you know, instead of excreting anymore, just an oil comes out of me. Oh, Ew, what? Come on. Yeah. Why? Be, uh, why? I'm just telling you what the future is going to be like. It's not going to be all pretty. Yes, we get to live forever. 
are withered heads on gleaming robot bodies, but occasionally you excrete oil. It's nothing. It's just a WD-40 that has some, uh, you know, nitrates in it. It's not a big deal. Where is it excreting from? There's a hole. Oh, okay. Thank <laughs> it's like you. a nozzle. Yeah. Some people think it's like an espresso. That's going to be a common problem in the future. People are like, ah, time for my espresso. And it's excretion oil from uh, <laughs> someone's robot body. Come and that's what, no, and that's one of the reasons they've got to stop putting those little nozzles back there. Yeah, just make it look. Back? Come yeah, on. what do you mean back there? What? Well, it's a hole. They put it. Oh, it's where the anus would be, but they made it look oh, like. Oh God! No, I'm not gonna. Don't, don't hold up on Zoom a wrap up sign. <laughs> Fuck you! I'm not gonna wrap up. I'm telling you that in the future we have robotic bodies that replace our old bodies. Our old withered heads are put on top. And there's an espresso nozzle where the anus would be. Oh, and it's just God. a hot, a hot oh, oil comes out. What is wrong God. with you? You can uh, think of anything for the future, and this is what you come I'm up with. I'm telling you there's good and there's bad. Okay. You're gonna, uh, every, no one's going to die. We're going to live forever, but there's going to be oil stains all over the house. And it's not, <laughs> oh, it has God. no, it's odorless. It's not a big deal. It's not, it's, this isn't even me being scatological. It's a hot oil. <laughs> and it cools within the hour, but it does it's, sometimes burn people. And it can look hot. a little like coffee, which is why it's unfortunate that they made it look like an espresso nozzle. Are we people done? Are listening to this at home, maybe even eating. Uh, I doubt it. I don't think anyone says, I'm going to eat some really delicious food right now. But first, <laughs> let's listen to Conan O'Brien's high reedy twang. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, this is awful. This I know. is awful. You know what? I love that I have a sidekick on the show who repeatedly says, this is awful. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, my I tried. God. I'm sorry. Not every vision of the future is all. I didn't think it was even that bad. Well, most people have like flying cars and you thought of oil secretions coming out of robotic anuses. And so it's just it's just problematic yeah. for it's all like of us. It's like the road. Hey, trust me. When you see the oil that comes out of these, <laughs> when you see the oil, the hot oil that comes out of these uh, robot anuses, you're not going to be so thrilled with a flying car zipping around, you know? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Don't think, ruin the flying cars. What's wrong you, with you? You think pigeons are a problem now? Wait till you're walking down the street. Grandpa goes by and you're hit with hot WD-40 <laughs> from 10,000 feet. <laughs> All right. Ew. Is it brown oil? You said brown oil. So it's like diarrhea no. oil no, 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 coming no, no, out no. of a No, pothole. it's not. No, it's oil. It's an oil color. Imagine what color oil is. And it's okay. not. No, don't turn this into a shit joke, Sona. Oh, I'm sorry. You said anus. You're Please. the one who I don't, said Hey, I don't anus. know what flies in Altadena. I've never, I don't have my passport with me, but I'll get there someday. Um, <laughs> it's all right. We, you don't have to. No, no, I'll there. get there. I really no, want to get there. there. I want to describe this robot future to you. Uh, We have to get going. We have such a good guest today. And, you know, I will say that he cannot be with us in person because we're all doing these remotely. But he's a delightful, delightful fellow. And I'm I'm almost as thrilled to talk to him uh, remotely. I'd love to have him in the room. So give him a big squeeze. Uh, I'm a creep (laughs) that way. With younger comics, I'm, I'm known as kind of handsy. My guest today, uh, he is a hilarious comedian. He's an actor. He's a writer who's the co-creator and voice of over 25 characters on the animated Netflix series Big Mouth. He's also, of course, appeared on Broadway alongside John Mulaney in their show Oh Hello on Broadway. And uh, they now have a new podcast, Oh Hello, the podcast. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Oh, hello, the podcast. I'm thrilled he's with us today. Nick Kroll is here. Nick, 
let's just get it out right now, Conan. I mean, you were the first uh, sh- talk show. I was a f- guest on your show as a panel guest was my first show ever. And your show, when I you were just starting, I was like in high school and in college, was the show that I looked to, to what, that I thought was like, oh, this feels funny, like I want to be funny. And then when I moved to New York and started at UCB, all of the people at UCB were like the extras or the small parts on your show. And so like the idea that I have now been on your show multiple times and that I do consider you a friend is like fills me with genuine pride for real. Wow. Okay. I'm not going to buy it the second time. You sucker me in the first time. (laughs) There's no way I'm buying this bullshit now. But it is, that's a very sweet thing to say. I'm going to assume there's real feeling there. It, it's one of the things I, I love about doing this podcast is I get to sit down with people that, you know, really make me laugh, people I really enjoy, people I'm really excited to talk to. And yes, you've done the show many times, but this is a chance to, well, let's say, do you a deep dive. Let's dig in. Really dig in there and find out what makes Nick Kroll tick and then break it and snap it. Yeah. I think I could, it's probably undiagnosed Lyme's disease that I think yeah. is really what is what makes me tick is the, is really, it's the ticks that make me tick. Uh, yes, true. Oh, I see. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to uh, admit, usually we do this when we're all in the same room, but because mm-hmm. of the current uh, COVID-19 crisis, I'm talking What's... to you from, I'll tell you later. It's okay. not a big deal. Okay, yeah. great. It's fortunate that you don't go out a lot. Uh, yeah. That's all I'll tell you. But because of that, we're on a we're in separate locations. I think we're both in Los Angeles, but we're in separate locations. I want to make that clear in case there are any COVID shamers out there who think, "How dare Conan and Nick Kroll get together in the same room? How dare they?" I've been proposing that that we start a like a quarantine pod for a while, and you have been pretty resistant to that idea. Yeah, I am. I'm very resistant to it. I. I only like to spread disinformation. And so, and you kept saying, no, this will be a good way to get good information out there. And I'm like, I like disinformation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, the fact that that was your, that, that was your roast battle name was DJ Disinformation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's amazing to me how much technological bullshit had to go on before you and I could even started talking today because yeah. there's like, seven engineers on the line mm-hmm. all in different locations i think uh will beckton's in guam all my my team is separated and we went through i think it was at least 12 minutes of yeah. okay nick now go into uh your files hit sound haptics now go into ds5 22 3g 17 mm-hmm. now change levels to 11 percent mm-hmm. now deaccelerate, and it was <laughs> it was a lot of that and i thought really this is yeah. how difficult it is. Am I? It did. I mean, it's fascinating that like I did your TV show the other day and uh, we just jumped on Zoom and did it. And yeah. like, and that was with. Yes. Yes. You yeah. did the Zoom TV mm-hmm. show and it was the easiest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And now uh, here I am mm-hmm. with my crack team, <laughs> more like a team on crack. Cue applause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, seriously. Uh, that was. At least a C plus. Um, and, and suddenly, Gorley, what's going on? Why is it so complicated for us to uh, make, uh, and I promise I won't use up all of our time talking about this, but I'll use a lot of it bitching about this. I, honestly, Why did it take so much? Ha- 
this is how I want to spend the talk is, is you uh, <laughs> dressing down your staff on them trying to create the best podcast they can. Thank you. Yeah, thank you thank very you, much, Nick. Thank you, Listen, Nick. Listen, boss, <laughs> people are saying that this is one of the best sounding at home podcasts out there. So that's what we're shooting for. Oh, there. what magazine was that in? <laughs> podcast monthly. <laughs> Uh, oh. Nick, we have so much to talk about. I can't yeah. complain uh, that uh, about sound. We all have problems. We're all struggling with things during this crisis. Uh, and I just think the sound of my podcast is probably up there among one of the biggest crises anyone <laughs> has had. For everybody. For everybody. Yeah, for everybody. For no, no doubt. And people think I've lost my sense of perspective. <laughs> what were you... You know, it's so funny because you and Mulaney have Uh such a nice way of clicking in with each other. And I'm curious because that's the kind of thing you just have to find that. You can't invent it. You just have to find that. How did you guys find each other? We were, uh, I went to Georgetown University and um, I started doing comedy there. Um, I was in a uh, improv group that Mike Birbiglia cast me in a sketch show when I was a freshman. He was a sophomore and then John, uh, John was a freshman when I was a senior, and I cast him and and a Jacqueline Novak, who's now also uh, who's also a comedian, who's got an incredible uh, live show that she was doing before all this went down. Um, and so we met when I he was a freshman, and I was a senior, and we just immediately, you know, I I think I just was one of the first people to get to see him be a comedian. So I was like, oh my god, this guy's so funny. And we just hit it off and and got very close from that point on. I graduated and moved to New York and he stayed on my couch one summer and we started doing open mics and started writing together and then moved to New York right after that. And But it was this funny thing of those people who you meet early on, who you just stay uh, connected to throughout um, that I got very lucky that I met a ton of funny people early on. Uh, in my career without having to go to like an elitist institution and, and uh, with an elitist comedy institution inside of it. like I the, hate those. I know. I hate those. I yeah. hate anything that smacks of like ivory tower or yes. like Yale is like that. Uh, totally, or, yeah. or Brown. Uh, yeah. That's why I refuse to go to those, those places. I just was like, that's not for me. That's you went not to college in do. Boston, right? You went to college in Cambridge. Is that right? You went to a school in. Yeah. Yeah, I went. It's near Central Square, the the college I went to. It's near Central Square in uh, in Cambridge. But yeah, I early on I was very much like, nope, I'm not going to get sucked into that elitist thing. So yeah. I just went to school someplace else, and and you know what, <laughs> found my own way and struggled. And uh, it was a really good engineering school. And you know what, I, uh, I I learned. You know what, I learned to use my hands pretty early on. I used to right. give as good as I got. I mixed yeah. it up in a lot of fights i was in a lot of gangs you do look like you would have been a good old-timey boxer i will say that yeah like i, I feel like you have that makeup i did write a sketch when i hosted Star Night live years ago i came with two ideas one was about a bad a, a superhero who can't help but keep saying his name 
uh, mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. again, Moleculo. And then mm-hmm. the other one was I wanted to play like a turn of the century fighter, a guy yeah. that fought underhand style yeah. and just gets the shit kicked out of him constantly. <laughs> so that was my, yes, I do look like someone who would box sort of in that long uh, Marcus of Queensbury rules, yeah. hands way out from the body. Like you'd be like an extra, like in the background of a scene in that show, The Alienist, like you would have been fighting like a bear in the background somewhere. Yes, yes. And I would have been coughing up blood at the same time. Yeah. Maybe it would have been a masturbating bear. Ah, I see what you did. (laughs) I prove it. Yeah, Yeah, you did your homework for this interview. (laughs) Uh, This is the sense I get. The sense I get, Mm -hmm. and you tell me if I'm wrong, is that I think all the funny people find each other. I have Mm -hmm. this theory that funny people in their early 20s kind of all find each other and then it's going to pop for them. It all happens at slightly different times and in slightly different ways. But when I look back on it now, I'm stunned at how many funny people I found really quickly. You know, once I, when I came out to L.A., how many people I bumped into, how many people I found pretty quickly in New York or L.A. Yeah. And then all these years later, I can mention their names and people know who they are. Okay. Charles Quisby. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Comedian uh, Mike Bechtel. Of course. Stu Simonati. Oh, Stu. Leisha Prinelli. Leisha makes me laugh harder than anybody still. Yeah. Margaret Hiddleston. I mean, these are names that <laughs> when I met them, believe it or not, these were people nobody knew. These were names no. No, that, yeah. Magic <laughs> Margaret Hiddleston. I remember like hearing her name and thinking, wow, I wonder if this name will ever be on Marquise. And sure enough, uh, it has not been. But... <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is that you found very funny people to support you. And I found all these losers who never went anywhere. <laughs> and I had to make it on my own uh, through sheer force of will and talent. So yeah. I guess lucky you. Lucky, yeah, lucky me. It's pure privilege. It, no, I, But it is true, like, because I then moved to New York and I, I started doing, like, open mics and met Jesse Klein. I met at one of my first open mics. Um, Chelsea Peretti I met very, very early on. And, like, she and I... You know, and I think it's partly what you're talking about, which is you go and you like in my case, I would do open mics or do, uh, you know, improv classes. And, you know, uh, and you, you you're like, oh, that person's funny. And then you hope that that other person finds you funny. And then through that, you sort of strike up these friendships that hopefully last through it. And, and my I mean, Big Mouth is is really a collection of like you, I can almost track my whole career of through the friends that are in, in it, in that it was like, Oh, I met John in college. And then I moved to New York and I met, uh, Jenny and, and Jesse early on in my kind of open mic, uh, alt comedy days. And I met Jason Manzukis through all the time I spent at UCB and, and then slowly met like Jordan Peele through moving to LA and starting out and both of us having shows on comedy central and, Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph through becoming friends slowly with the people who were at, at SNL and, and it, they're all the people. And then the extended cast is similarly, just all of these people that are the, the friends that I've made over the years of doing comedy. And I have been very lucky that I, the people that I have found funny uh, turned out to be like the, the funniest people and willing to be a, you know, a part of the, the show and the other stuff that I do. It's also uh one of my things is uh, tr- just I never wanted to be jaded. 
I'm continuously thrilled that I get to work with people <laughs> that just genuinely make me laugh. Yeah. They just genuinely make me laugh and I enjoy them and we have a good time. And then that's considered work afterwards. Yeah. This seems sort of criminal. I mean, it is. It's we should a, be prosecuted. We, we should be <laughs> we should be hunted like animals in the street for making this uh, a, a living, a wage earning yeah. living. It should be we should be hunted. Let's see what happens with the uh, oncoming class wars and see if that <laughs> does come to be. I never want right. to be. J- I never wanted to be Jaden. I never wanted to be someone named Jaden. I think at this point you probably will not be someone named Jaden. I think the chances <laughs> of you becoming J- a guy named Jaden at this point is very, very unlikely. Okay. What about? Is there a world where I could still be in uh, Curse of the Jade Scorpion? Is that, or do you think that <laughs> yes. that moment has forty percent, forty percent chance? Okay. Okay. There's a forty percent chance. Okay. So, that's, but still, that pre- presents its own complications. No, I, I think it's uh, completely absurd. That's why, and and you you mentioned class wars. I've been very careful, a, not to go to an elite institution in mm-hmm. college. We we've been over that, mm-hmm. and also to always make sure that I lived with great humility and. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Well below my means. So sure. I'm in a very, very small, very small shack right now, which is where right. I live. Right. It's by the sea because mm-hmm. I like to get my fish fresh from the sea. Of course. And I make a simple living as a fisherman. Yeah. You've been to my house. Is it not a small shack where I, I fish by the sea? It, it's a very humble, I wouldn't call it a shack because of its be- It's there's a warmth to it that shacks often time. But I think it's the, because when you, you know, you teach a Conan to fish, and he'll eat. He'll eat for a day. Yeah, but you give him fish, and he'll. You know. You know. He'll, it, it, <laughs> is no, that you turn him in. No, if you teach a Conan <laughs> to fish, he'll eat for a day. That implies that I'll immediately forget that you taught me how to fish, and right. I won't know how to fish the next day. It's. Yeah. It's give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Turn turn Conan the, in. Turn the Conan man. In. In. Yes. Yeah. Turn him into a fish, yeah. and then he can swim with the fish and attack them at random. <laughs> Isn't that the saying? I believe that's the saying. Anyway, Sona will tell you, I live by the sea, and I make my living uh, mm-hmm. with my hands. Uh, uh-huh. Simple living. Yeah. Simple, simple you're, Greek fisherman. You're a mm-hmm. really butch guy. Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. Very masculine. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, I am. Yes. yes. Well, I think- There's a raw masculinity to you that I think has <laughs> propelled you through comedy to where you are now. Um, yeah, and that I is what that. I would I would aspire to that in 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 I would like my comedy to be more masculine. Yes. Well, you've come to the right guy, Nick. And I, you know what? Let me tell you something. A lot of people when they meet me. Mm-hmm. And this is true. And Sona, you'll back me up on this. And so will you, Gorley. A lot of people meet me. And when I leave the room, they say, that guy has big dick energy. Yeah. No. Yes. No. I get that all the time. That guy has BDE. Oh. They say you're a big dick. Yeah. What? Is that what they say? I thought that yeah, was big dick energy. No, they, no, they no. say they have the, uh, they say I have the energy of a big dick. Isn't that the same as I have yes. a big dick energy? Yes. There it is. There it is. I swear to God, yeah. many times I've heard people say, he has the energy of a big dick. And I'm like, yeah. yeah there we go. Wait, what? Yeah, hold on. That's it. That's what you want, right? That's what everybody's talking about is that, is that energy of a big dick. That's the. Yeah. Uh, That's what I got. That's what I got. And you know what? I will help you. I will help you get there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I, I, I do honestly appreciate that because I feel like I don't give that off and I'd like to sort of give that, give that vibe off. No, I know. It's something that I just came by honestly. 
Hey, I want to ask you something because mm-hmm. uh, I, I love Big Mouth and I love that uh, it is absolutely hilarious and I, I won't hit this too hard, but I love things that are funny and also have a little secret. There's a little like secret sauce in there of, oh, this is great for kids to see. Mm-hmm. If a show like that had existed because I was a late bloomer, I know mm-hmm. that you talk about yourself as being a late bloomer, unless yeah. you're just tricking other people into saying they were late bloomers. Yeah, no, I was a late bloomer, and I'm a, a chronic uh, masturbator, and I've killed three people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're talking the same language. Right, so... I killed people by masturbating. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just it comes out like a machine gun. Um, anyway, I'm sorry, but I didn't I know. It's like, holding yeah. a gu- it's like a gun that goes off, you know? Yeah. People get killed. People, people, people half a mile away have been killed while I was masturbating. But uh, you talk about being a late bloomer, and I, I could be wrong. Everybody mm-hmm. comes to comedy a different way, but I swear to God, being a late bloomer for me helped me be funny or somewhat empathetic. I know yeah. I'm acting like someone who's not empathetic right now, but I, I swear to God I am, and I, I feel like it was everything came to me later on or yes. felt like it did. I mean, most kids, I think most people look back on their childhoods and be like, oh, well, I had this thing about me that was weird. I was, I hit puberty too early. I hit puberty too late. I was very tall. I was, whatever it is, these these elements. And they all can allow different people to um, develop their sense of humor or their powers of observation. But I think when you're a late bloomer, at least I was, I felt incredibly conscious of what was happening to my friends around me. And I was very, I was hyper aware of it. And so it both made me empathetic, but it also made me observe. And it, it made me try to develop these other powers to help me like navigate, not getting beaten up or to uh, make myself attractive to people or, and all of those things, as well as hopefully eventually being empathetic and trying to understand what it would be like to be another kind of person uh, which is, you know, I think such an important part of of writing and 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 building building shows and worlds. So that definitely was a huge part of it for me. And so much of it was insecurity. So much of it was just feeling small and less than, and figuring out how I could defend myself and figure out how I could, you know, attract people to me. Um, and and that definitely came from being a late bloomer. Like I'm very glad that I evolved how I have and like. I genuinely, for the most part, feel bad for the people who peaked in high school. You know, like, I don't think they're... Uh, yeah, yeah. I knew a kid, I won't say his name, but I knew a kid mm-hmm. uh, who said, told everybody, I peaked in the sixth grade. And he kind of did. And he was right. And I remembered him writing an essay about it once. They made us all write essays in class. And this kid, like, in the eighth grade said, yep, sixth grade. Remember me in sixth grade? It'll wow. never be that good again. And he was right. Wow. It was absolutely uh, very, very, I mean, I, I, it's ridiculous for me to say it's right. I don't know what he's <laughs> doing now. Uh, I mean, I, I know what he's doing. It's, it's Bob Odenkirk. It's Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> it's Bob Odenkirk. How did you know? Bob, I mean, first of all, as well as Bob is doing now, he did peak in the sixth grade. He did. <laughs> He yeah. was killing it in the sixth grade. He was so good in sixth grade and just, and the multiple Emmy nominations for Better Call Saul pale into comparison to how much he was pulling hotties in sixth grade. Yeah. 
no, he was, and even he knows, even he would trade a second of him being back in sixth grade for all the success he's had now with Better Call Saul. It is. But that's whatever. Yeah, it is. It's whatever. And that's what I always say about Bob. Um, but I, I do, I, I have to say it really, I feel very g- grateful at the time, you know, I think it's hard when you're that age to realize that the things that are your limitations um, can actually build the character to make you uh, a much stronger person in the long haul. And it's so tough to explain that to kids, you know, um, right. cause you can't hear it then like it, but, but I think like it's it, times have, are changing in a way that things that are valued now, I think are, are slightly, di- I mean, not across the board, but other things are valued now that weren't as much then when, when I was a kid. And, you know, I think like being an interesting individual now is something that is a commodity right. that wasn't, right. I think, as much when we were growing up. No, God, no. God, no. I mean, uh, I know I'm uh, older than you, but I know for a fact that a show like Big Mouth could never have existed in the 1970s. It just could not. There's no place it could have existed. It could have existed in like an adult bookstore, maybe underground. But <laughs> it couldn't. It couldn't. It could have been like an R. Crumb drawing that you weren't allowed to see. <laughs> but there's no way that Big Mouth could have existed back then. And all the shows that I was, everything that I was seeing on TV, in no way looked, you know, <laughs> like how I was looking at people like Lee Majors and Farrah Fawcett, and it just had no relationship to who I was. I mean, yeah. I was made of uh, had some robotic parts, but I, I was in in no way did it relate to who I was as a person. And I think now shows, and, and it's not like there are a ton of them, but there's a lot of people out there telling you what it's really like mm-hmm. and how it really feels to be ashamed, in over your head, feel weird, feel completely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the stuff that you put these characters through in Big Mouth is so humiliating. I, I, I feel like <laughs> any kid seeing it, is going to feel like, yeah, I'm not that bad. <laughs> sure, yes. Yes. No, I'm it not, makes it, you're like, oh, this is disgusting. At least I'm not that guy. But it, no, it, it definitely, it definitely has that. And it's been, you know, so much of it is based in stuff that did happen to me um, and Andrew and, and others and, you know, in the room. And, you know, like I, I got pantsed when I was in, in middle school and got fully exposed to the girl that I had a crush on and, and it had a tremendous effect on me um, for the rest of my life. Andrew as well had stuff and we've, we've all had those weird traumatic points that are real triggers that like, for me, I have to be honest, like so much of the stuff that I was talking about in, in the room, I would then like, I go over to my therapist and talk with my therapist about, and then bring back some of the things that I've been working through in therapy back into the room. Um, to try to to navigate it. And it, it has weirdly been this actual gift to work through some of the, the, the therapeutic, the really some, just the trying to heal the things that happen to you. Cause there are so many traumatic things that happen to you in adolescence that do become a major foundational uh, point for the rest of your life and like who you are and, and what your what, what turns you on, what brings you shame, what, um, you know, what kind of relationships you seek with partners in friendship with your family. And it's, it's, it's incredibly informative period in your life. And, and so it's weirdly been a place that I have actually been able to work through my personal 
life stuff in in the show and i it's it's a real gift So where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I swear to God, I grew up elementary school, high school. The vast majority of my friends were Jewish, and I really I got to know them uh, and their families. And I thought, oh, these people are more in touch with who they are mm. than the people in my culture. Mm-hmm. I really did think there's so much more shame among mm-hmm. Irish Catholics than there are among all my Jewish friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was envious of that. I remember <laughs> thinking, oh, they're just, they talk about all kinds of stuff with their parents. <laughs> and it's all right out in the open and they yell at each other and they express displeasure with each other. All these things that I could never do in a million years that I, I have a hard time picture you being repressed. No, I, I didn't. I, yes, yeah, so I got very lucky. By the way, every Irish writer, Irish Catholic writer I know, like has spent as much time around Jews as they could for their entire life. And it's like, I don't know what came first, like 
the desire to be in comedy or the desire to spend time around Jews. Like, but I find that there's a <laughs> correlation that is like my gut is every woman, like the first like five women you were in love with were Jewish. Uh, that's pretty good. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty good. Just that's like I good. have, I have always been wildly attracted to like six foot six Irish men. And I think that, and I'm not sure what that is, whether that's comedy. I think or- we know. I think we know what that is. That was at a young age. Yeah. You were exposed to someone on television. Yeah. Who was a six foot six Irish yeah. man with big dick energy. Yeah. The energy of a guy who's that's a right. big dick. It was B. And it was B. You- Arthur. It was B. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> she is the butchest of the golden girls. Yeah. Um, but I think, no, but it's true. So I think what it is, because I've been thinking about, you know, we did this season two of Big Mouth was all about shame. And we spent a lot of time talking about shame and uh, listening and, and watching um, Brene Brown, who's done a, a major, uh, did TED Talk and books and stuff about shame. And, you know, she spoke to the idea that shame is... Um, like I, well, the difference, and I see, I think about this between Jews and, and Irish Catholics, which is because Jews have a tremendous amount of guilt, but it's slightly different than shame. And it's like, Jews are a lot of, spend a lot of time being like, I made a mistake. Um, and Irish Catholics spend more time being like, I am a mistake. Like uh, it's a, there's something inherent, literally, I think to like, as basic as like uh uh, whatever the thing is where you're born and you're bad for being born. What is that? Uh, original, original sin. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's the whole concept. It's, it's the thing that we're actually taught, which is <laughs> you were born a sinner. Yeah. And, yes. and everywhere you look, there's a guy on a cross who died because you fucked up even yeah. when you didn't do anything. <laughs> and so, um, and look, I'm a huge booster of the Catholic church. Sure. Uh, <laughs> And I hope that came across in what I just said. But, yeah. uh, no doubt. Uh, and I think, there's, I think there's a lot of good in that religion. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, all my money goes right to the Pope, uh, yeah. which, is why I have to, which is why I have to live by the sea and make my living off of the fish. Yeah. De fish. Yeah, yeah. I make my living off of the fish. Uh, but I make my living off of fish, the band. I sell veggie burritos in the parking lot outside of shows. Great, an old man, an old Greek man who was like, I make, I make, how you make your money, old man? Off of the fish. And he means fish the band. And he has, he, he has, he has the concession rights and he makes hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds a year. of millions. But he's like, people are like, oh, that's so sweet. Off of the fish. Off of the fish. I'm a simple man. I try on the stasio, eh? I'm not the fish, man. I make money off of the fish. Michael Warden. Uh, a page. You, uh, I don't know his last name. A page. Uh, yeah. You anyway, teach I, a man to fish, he eats it for a day, but you give him concessions to the band <laughs> fish, and he'll make a hundred million dollars. <laughs> um, Literally. You see the way it all comes back around, and there are all these connections mm, that mm. are tied up, and how I can sort of see things in four dimensions. It's quite impressive. It really is. It's... It's very, there's something very special about what you do. Yeah, when I become pompous, I go to sleep. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I pass out cold. I've, I've been, I've itched my leg and have opened a wound on the back of it while we've been talking. I just got my Well, fingers. that would never, would never happen. Oh my God, yes. 
Uh, no, what I'm saying is that if you had been in our studio, we always uh, mm. rub moisturizer into people <laughs> when, we're, when they're guests on the show. It's something that I started. Uh, and Well, it was, it's an evolution of Jesus. It's like you don't wash people's feet anymore when they come to do your podcast. You moisturize them. It's a very... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I call that spa Jesus. It's spa Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't wash the feet of the lepers. He moisturizes the feet of the lepers. <laughs> yes. And gives them a really good uh, pedicure. A pedi, yeah. And I believe that to be... Give a man a facial, he'll have great skin for a day. Give a, yep. Teach a man to give himself a facial... And he's come all over himself, is I think what we were saying. Is that right? Uh, the police are here. They want to talk to you. Ooh, I uh, hope they it's... They want to talk to me. I hope it's great. I always want 1940s... I want whenever someone's crude like that, I always want 1940s Boston police officers to smash through the door. Like big guys whose belts are up near their, che- their nipples. Oh. Oh. And they've, they're like, all right, you're coming with us. <laughs> With your coming on the face. And where's the Jew? Where's the Jewish fella? Uh, oh, what a dream. Uh, yeah, he's there. Hey, so I didn't know that Jack McBrayer mm-hmm. was a character, that he was that he was pubic hair. Yeah, and he's one of my pubes. Craig Robinson and Jack McBrayer are my only two pubes. <laughs> I love, I just love that that's going to be on his IMDb, mm-hmm. on Jack McBrayer's. It's going to say a pew. I was one of Nick Kroll's pubes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in there with every, anything else he does in his life. It's going to be, oh, and you were a pube? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. I was a pube. <laughs> yeah, I was one of Nick Kroll's pubes. I was one of Nick Kroll's pubes, and I'm ashamed <laughs> of it, and I love Nick. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jack's been a pube. Who else have we had? Um, mainly that's it. That's the only... Excuse me. Jesus, you're falling apart. You're I'm, bleeding. I am. You're sneezing. Are, am, should I be bleeding out of my eyes? Is that a is that a sign of that's not a sign of disease, right? Like that's not. No, that mean no, that's no, that's always a sign of health. That means your body has so much blood, so much mm-hmm. good iron rich blood that it needs to get rid of some. Okay, good. My dad's um, a doctor. I know these things. My dad, my my saliva tastes like Jolt Cola. Um, <laughs> does that? It sort of. Let me let me rephrase that for uh, that. Maybe Conan would like better. My saliva tastes like Moxie Cola. Uh, ah, good old Moxie. <laughs> That'll put a pep in your step. Yeah, that that's the worst tasting soda in the world. Moxie soda. <laughs> is it? It might be. Yeah, I never even knew what it was. Is it Moxie? Is like. You know, back in the late 19th century, they thought really stupid things were soda. And so <laughs> there's things like, this is made from birch bark. Yeah. A good old birch soda is what you want. Yeah. No, it's not. And they had access to cherry. They had access to strawberry. They had access to lime. But no. they went way out of their way in 1902 to say things like, this is soil soda. <laughs> Oh, the goodness of soil. <laughs> they could carbonate they could carbonate tubers and they decided yeah. that that was what they were going <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, You've indeed. got it all that you, you know what, Nick Kroll, the world is your oyster. Everyone mm. knows you're a very funny guy. You've got mm. all these great projects. It's all going your way. Mhm. But what are you doing for the world? Can I tell you? Um, well, I, uh-huh. ironically, the world is, I've been very lucky that the world is in many ways my oyster. I, I am allergic to oysters. 
Uh, and so that, uh, not everything, not everything goes Nikki Kroll's way. I'm allergic to tuna. I'm genuinely allergic to tuna fish, even though. Is that true? Tuna fish is, I mean, that's such a big part. It's a big part of my oeuvre. Yes. Is you, you, you guys, uh, Mm -hmm. in Oh Hello were Mm -hmm. obsessed with a tuna sandwich, a tuna salad sandwich. We were, we would prank people with too much tuna and we are, and I'm allergic to it. I can't eat it. Um, but is the oyster, oh, but are you, what are, what are we doing to give back? Uh, you know, uh, oh, we're doing the Oh Hello podcast. Me and Melania are doing that. We did the Broadway show and sketches on, on Kroll's show before it of our two Upper West Side characters of which we have pranked you with too much tuna before. Oh, uh, I remember that. I remember yeah. getting hauled up on a Broadway stage and humiliated. <laughs> yeah. Humiliated. Oh, probably the happiest I've ever been. Uh, was humiliating the likes of you on Broadway. Um, we're doing a podcast of that now about George and Gill. Uh, worked on a podcast about a year and a half ago about the life and death of Princess Diana. Um, yes, yes. A very relevant <laughs> subject matter. Um, right. They're always, they always have their finger on the pulse of what people care most about yes. at any given time. Steely Dan and the murder of Princess Diana. Um <laughs> and uh, Son of Sam, they also like. So uh, they are doing a podcast about uh, that, and they and they have ensnared Ira Glass and Sarah Koenig to help them. <laughs> uh, they somehow get them involved, to, and Sarah and Ira are trying to tell them that there's no reason to do this podcast. And then they go off and interview um, – they, they scored interviews with John Oliver and Pete Davidson and John Ronson and – uh, a psychic and um, a woman who uh, reads the is a medium who can look at photographs and and understand that. And so uh, th- they started that podcast a, lo- a while back, and then they had a falling out. And now that they're in quarantine, they have decided to put the podcast out because they want to win the quarantine. And <laughs> so, um, do these characters even understand what a podcast is? They're so out of time. They probably have as much understanding of what a podcast is as I do. <laughs> they believe it to be a. They believe it to be like a, a radio show that uh, people then uh, put on a floppy disk and can play on their computers. That's the extent to which they can understand. <laughs> They've got big Dell computers and a gateway yeah. and a gateway laptop. <laughs> and that's what they can understand um there and so now they're we're there we're we've aired three episodes and they're now into the quarantine so we're they're starting to give interviews with each other they're they're self-quarantined in two different rooms um in the same apartment in the upper west side so <laughs> right george george believes gil to have double covid covid 38 um so <laughs> Um, so, so we're, th- we've been helping George and Gil put that out. Um, and, uh, they, uh, they're, they're eyeing you and your place high in the Apple podcasts. They're eyeing, uh, the Conan needs a friend podcast. They're trying to take that down. I'm going to take it down. That's a good go- idea. And they're going after the daily big time. Um, right. and, uh, and, and it's been, it's, and we're doing it as a charity for, we've been doing it for United Way of NYC, uh, helping to get food and internet service to kids and people who are, uh, have obviously run into issues through this period of time. Um, so we've been doing that, uh, trying to get back and, uh, you know, 
just doing various things that we can. I don't know. It's it's such a weird time. No, it's it is such a weird time, and it's so weird to think about. When does this get back to normal? I had that feeling this weekend for the first time in a real, real way, where I was like, oh, because I have to be to be honest. Uh, like, I've been in my house. I've been working on Big Mouth every day. Um, my girlfriend, we're living together. She had moved in somewhat recently. So we've, it's been this really rare opportunity that we've been able to like nest and really like be with each other for such an intense, but really kind of amazing time where we're really spending all this quality time together and making this home ours and cooking together and talking to each other about what we're going through. And, and, I've been sort of been able to like reconnect in or, or connect in deeper ways to a lot of friends and family. Like, you know, it was, it was Passover. We did our interview right around Passover, but like normally when I'm in LA and my family does a Seder in New York for Passover, I don't participate in it. It's like, if I happen to be in New York, then I'll participate. But because of what's going on this year, we did like a zoom Seder with all the families in different locations, all my siblings and my parents and, and I got to be a part of that in a way that I wouldn't normally. And so like there've been all of these elements to my personal experience inside of this like quarantine that have been incredibly positive and, and like gratifying in a lot of ways. Um, and, and because I've been lucky and my family's been lucky and, and, you know, for any number in innumerable ways, but this weekend I was like, Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for this to be over now. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Like my fun experience of being like in my space with my, my girlfriend and all of this, I'm like, I'm done now. I'd like to go back to like life and then I shall end it. (laughs) I've just been waiting for you to say you're done. And uh... this is like an early two thousands. Like this is like a Jim Carrey movie that you've like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, yes. You're like the Morgan Freeman character. It's like, well, why didn't you say so? Go back to your life now. Go back to your life. You learned an important lesson about virtual satyrs. That's what you learned. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you did. Uh, yeah. Uh, if it only were that easy. I have to say the thing I think about sometimes that I, I mean, there are a lot of things that we miss and it can sound really frivolous to say I miss this, but I just, I think one of the last things I did before we went into a lockdown was I was asked to show up at a show at, at the Largo Theater. Yes. And Adam Sandler was there. Whoa. And uh, Eric Idle and a couple of like people were there just jumping up on stage, uh, uh, performing. Judd Apatow was hosting it. And so I, I went out there and it was just so, f- the thing I've been remembering so much is right, being around a lot of people. I think I grew up in a big family mm-hmm. and I really love to be around a lot of people. I like hearing laughter. I I love the camaraderie of being backstage with other people and um I don't know when that's coming back. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's going to be a long time before we do that again, I think. Yeah, I can't I really like I I'm not I, I minimize my news intake. I minimize a lot of that stuff. I just cuz I don't it doesn't bring I I'm like I'll I'll listen and read the stuff that is feels imperative and or I will be told by my most anxious friend, uh, yeah, yeah. what like, or, or I'll like piece together a news event from a joke on Twitter. So you have no idea what's going on right now. Um, I know that like, I know that <laughs> Corona think- beer is doing like this big <laughs> campaign 
Um, like, catch yeah. it. Catch the virus. <laughs> um, but I don't like, right. I'm just not a corporate guy. So, like, I don't pay attention to, like, I know when something is, like, an ad. You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. And uh, what else? What What's another joke? Um, and uh, <laughs> Oh, is that all you've become? Is that all you've become? I thought we were really connecting here. Yeah. No, I – so uh, no, but I, I, I keep it pretty limited. I keep what, what I intake as yeah. limited as possible because I just don't feel as though there's anything that uh, will – there's nothing about it that will bring me comfort or joy or safety – um, yep. So I take in the minimal amount to understand what's happening, and then I and then I and and I and I try to listen to like you know what, what things that I can tr- try to be helpful with. But otherwise, like br- here reading news or or getting overly involved just makes me just brings me no joy. Like it, it, I don't yeah. know what it what it. No, puts I, I'm the, the same. I'm, I'm the same way. I don't want to. All I know is that it's late spring. That's all I know. It's That's everything else. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't know when this you know, is airing, but I'll tell you this. It's 420 today, and I never forget that. Hey, man. You okay. know what I'm saying, all right. brother? All right. No, I don't know what you're saying. You were twenty, dude. All right, that's twenty, dude. You know what four twenty stands for, Conan? Four twenty in the afternoon, a good time to toke up the old bongaroo. Okay. Wow, you really do. You really do know fish. People think I'm not hep to what's going on, but that's the time when you grab a jazz cigarette out of your bootleg. And then it's off to see Mama Cass. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and you and you hit that bongaroo as the uh, old a bongaroo. Uh, that's how. That's where bongaroo came from. Yeah, it came from anyway. Using you doing an impression of Adam Sandler saying bongaroo, a bongaroo. <laughs> Wait, where does four? Okay, we all you'll tell. Four, well, four twenty was. Uh, I asked. I used to do this joke on stage. I'd ask people, and they would go. I go four twenty. What does it stand for? And usually, it's you know, it's like some people believe it's police code. But every time I did it, the other thing I would hear is Hitler's birthday. Like <laughs> someone in the crowd always screamed four twenty right. Hitler's birthday, and I was like, yeah, that's that makes sense. That like all of the stoners got together and they were like. For the original bake monster himself. <laughs> Adolf Cheeto's finger. Hitler. He was a chill dude. That's for sure. Dude of all, dude. Hey, you know what? Uh, I know you got to go, Nick, and I do not want to keep you. Uh, to, you've got things to do. You got people to see. I got to go. You got. Conan, you just got to go, go, man. I got to go. Come on, I, I, I got to go to the bathroom. I've been drinking so much I water go. today. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to cheat my body. You're gonna be fine. Breakdown. Uh, End of the podcast. Nick Kroll breaks down. I don't know. Breaks down. Cry. Losing it. Uh, It's gonna be over. It's gonna be over. It's over now, Nick. It's over. And uh, you know what? Absolutely delightful to. Talk to you. Uh, Wish it could have been in the studio together so I could smell you. You're a very good smelling man. I'm going to put that out (laughs) there. Thank you. It's cool water. Sandalwood? Cool water cologne from when I was 13. Same bottle. Okay. Very nice. Um, Well, Conan, I just want to say if I could have told my high school self that one day I would be doing a podcast with Conan O'Brien, that 
high school kid would have first of all been like, don't, I don't, you're a grown man. Don't talk to me. And then second, (laughs) he would have said, I don't know what a podcast is. What's that? And then, and then third, he would have been like, pass the bongaroo. Let's go to a fish show. (laughs) And then fourth, he would have been like, that's so cool. I can't believe that you're, you're uh, buddies with Conan O'Brien. That, that means, that means you did something right. And then fifth, he would have said, but won't he be dead by then? (laughs) (laughs) He's old. He's old. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Honestly, take care of yourself. A true pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. And let's keep chatting. You know what? I'll come back and do the. I'll do the podcast again. I'll come back next. Yeah, come back. Come back and do it uh, someday when uh, when all the madness is over. Let's do it next week. We'll do. We'll do round two. We'll see where Nick is at in the quarantine. Where is he? No, too much. Okay, too much Nick. That's way too much Nick. Okay, no, no one wants that. I'm. The boards are lighting up right now. A lot of people unhappy with that idea. (laughs) Okay. I, I let, let's pretend I have boards lighting up. I love it. It's, it's one of the, it's, that's the beauty of technology. Um, Conan, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Thank you for doing it. Emmy award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. We've got some questions from the listeners regarding what to do in quarantine, and they want some advice or commentary, and the first question goes to you, Sona. Are you ready? Yes. Sona, this is from Ricky Vargas on Facebook. What would be some good Armenian homeopathic recipes for someone with allergies and not coronavirus? Ah, well, you know what? It's funny. I, Conan, you're going to make fun of me for this, but I just made this drink that I've been making. It's lemonade, but it's lemon with honey and apple cider vinegar and some olive oil. And then you mix it in with uh, some tea. And it's like an Arnold Palmer, but it's healthier. And then uh, if you want to put some garlic in that, I know you're making fun of me. <laughs> I'm not. But I respect all cultures. Anyway, I just drink that. Sona eats a lot of uh, garlic and turmeric root and uh, wolfsbane and various powders and things, things that have been handed on uh, through the generations by the elders. And I think that could be helping. <laughs> what I don't like is when someone... Uh, is really sick, you know, I mean, they've got a really bad disease and they're about to flatline and someone comes in and says, a little garlic, have some garlic, chew it up. No, he was shot in the chest with a shotgun. A little garlic could help. That's when I think you miss me. You know, that's when I think people need to listen to Western medicine. That's just me. 
I'm sorry. When someone's shot. Okay. I'll try that. If I ever get shot, I'll go to the hospital instead of going to my mom's house and being like, mom, I got shot. Can you- Sona, you're, I happen to know that your family is suspicious of hospitals. Yeah, they are. They're very suspicious of hospitals. It's not, here's the thing. My grandma, my dad, the way my dad looks at it is my grandma was admitted in the hospital and she never came out. So she died. So there's something. She was 125 years old. <laughs> And she had been in a motorcycle accident. So, yes, she didn't come out of the hospital, but it's not because hospitals are bad places. What was she doing riding that chopper down San Vicente Boulevard at 150 miles an hour? You care to answer that question? Well, Yaya liked to ride. I don't know what to tell you. Well, she rode in a group called Yaya's Angels, remember? (laughs) Do you remember any of this? Oh, we got to look out for that hospital. Because when Yaya at 125 wiped out on her chopper and went sliding into a gas station and it exploded and she didn't make it out of the hospital, (laughs) that hospital must have done something. Uh Uh-oh, Sona's frozen. She's frozen again. Are we still recording the laughs? Yeah, you are. I have the, uh, the laughs are recording. Okay, it's just this, it's just this thing. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get you, Sona, for, um, I'm going to get you real Wi-Fi. I have great Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi hasn't gone out at all. This is the only time it's going out. I have fiber. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like I'm talking to a cosmonaut in 1961 (laughs) from Earth. And you're like, the mission is going well. (laughs) You have terrible, I know you live far away, but we have to get you, do they have available Wi-Fi? And what's it called? Altadena, yes, I have it. I have fiber. I can't hear you. Uh. You chose to live in a place that's not legally in America. (laughs) Where is it if it's not in America? Altadena, I think is a unknown province. It's like the forbidden zone in Planet of the Apes. Her internet is freezing left and right. The listeners won't know that that's the case because we're stitching all this audio together, but yeah. Right. So you're you're going to sound like an idiot when this all comes together because you're talking you don't about have to, something You don't have knows. to use any of that. I'm just, I'm happy to do Altadena slams till the cows come home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we take one more question? This is from Luke Sinclair on Facebook. If the three of you were in a Bond film, what roles would you each fill? Villain, Bond mentor, American agent, etc. Now, since we know Conan would be the villain, what would your plan be? What's your grudge? And what would be your physical characteristic, <laughs> i.e. eye patch, claw hands, etc.? Wait a minute. The, the person who wrote in to us said that I would be the villain? Yeah. Wow. I thought you were saying that. No, that was, this was all their words, not mine. I mean, I agree with it for sure, but. I think we all know, yes, I would be the villain. Man, that hurt, but it's also true. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be, I certainly wouldn't be Bond. And yes, I'm, I'd be a really good villain. I'd be an excellent villain, especially the part where, you know, the way the villains are so courteous in James Bond movies, they're so yeah. courteous. They love to say like, ah, oh, Mr. Bond, welcome. I hope, you know, Bond is always a knocked unconscious and then he wakes up and the first thing the villain does is like serves him an amazing meal and gives him a really nice drink and gives him a tour of the hollowed out volcano. I would do all of those things. I would enjoy it. So uh, I'd be a very hospitable, I think, Phil. Would Sona be your henchman? No. No. Sona and I would be have to be opposed to each other. So Sona's kind of like James Bond. <gasps> Can I please be James Bond? Yeah, yeah. but he gets things done. Uh, you know what? You're right. You know, no, you have a point. Yeah. Can you imagine you as James Bond? James, did you get to uh, Bermuda okay to stop the bad guy? Oh, yeah. Bermuda. <laughs> right. I was supposed to get on the plane and go to Bermuda. Okay. I can do that, I think. No, no, no. He's already left Bermuda and he's got the nuclear codes. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go feed Oki. 
Dun, da, dun, 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 Wait, I never answered my question. What would your physical characteristic be? Oh, I know what it would be. Sometimes a bad guy wears one monocle. I would wear two monocles. <laughs> Instead of glasses, I would wear two. I would wear two monocles each. That would have a, each have a string coming off of it. No one's ever done that before. I would be the villain with two monocles. <laughs> What's your villain name? <laughs> Monoculus. <laughs> Doc, you should have the strings cross yes. over on your face. Too. I'm Doc Monoculus. They cross and the strings cross. Uh, God, I would love to play Doc Monoculus. Okay, who am I? Because I want someone to do a drawing of the of this. Oh, I feel like you'd be the sci- the scientist that comes up with all the gizmos. Yes. Q? yes, yes, you would be the Q. Except most of your gizmos just have to do with like podcasting. You know, <laughs> they're like now if you're trapped by the bad guys, this gun. <laughs> turns into a pretty good microphone and from there you can you can use it to talk to the broad city gals and just keep it it. just keep it to 40 minutes oh okay and what does this do this is a pill if you get in real trouble bite down on the pill and then suddenly uh you are in a room with andy daly and uh You guys are improvising. Uh, Okay, so give give me a title for this movie, and then someone needs to make this poster. Well, we didn't figure out what Sona does. No, I thought I was a lazy um, James Bond. Yes, Sona's a lazy James Bond. Sona's a a Bond that never is given the mission, says, yes, I'll do it, leaves, gets all the gadgets, and then chills at home (laughs) and, uh, you know, watches uh, Love is Blind and uh, has an edible. Yeah. And f- and phone calls keep coming in from the British government like, we have seen no evidence that you ever showed up. You didn't pick up your plane tickets. You didn't do anything. <laughs> so what's the title of this film? Does it have to be dramatic? Like, dying is such... Sweet sorrow. Yeah. There are always things like, no time to die. Yeah. Time for... a t- yeah. Oh, man, Quantum of Solace. What a bad name that was. That's an Ian Fleming title, actually. I know. Well, that's probably what killed him. Uh, <laughs> it was not the full <laughs> bottle of vodka and 70 cigarettes he had every single day. No, the 70? coroner. They, yes, for real. No time for time. Uh, <laughs> no time to work. No, t- yeah, no time to work. Too lazy to die. Uh, how about uh, too, too chill to die? <laughs> Sonam Obsession is James Bond in Too Chill to Die. Because you never go anywhere or do anything. And so you're never killed. <laughs> and the villain, it's the, you're the ultimate. The, none of the villain, the villains are so pissed at you because you never show up at the volcano. You never show up at the secret lab in the desert because you're chilling at home. Yeah. You're watching Netflix. It's all good. I feel like your, your villain power would be being really passive aggressive and you'd just be really yes. passive aggressive with everybody. And I would hold the United Nations up for ransom. I would say I have a beam that will shoot passive aggression <laughs> at the UN <laughs> and just make it feel kind of, everyone in the UN, all the world leaders are going to feel kind of shitty about themselves but not That's quite what be this sure, podcast is. But not be quite be sure why. <laughs> He's already done it. Yeah. Okay, so somebody out there make that poster and send it in to us. I can't wait. Yeah. And your reward? Nothing. <laughs> Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Sonam Obsession and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. 
Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer? The ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.